Hello and welcome, everybody. I'm Luke Wickheiser with my good friends Tony Snyder and Michael Reiner. We're out of the wilderness. We're back on the air, boys. How's it going? Excellent. Great to be back with you both. <laughs> Fantastic, boys. I think this is the first one of 2022, I reckon. I so, believe so. Let's let's get to it. You know, let's get on it on a hot start. I think I think life sometimes takes you away from uh, doing stuff you want to do. We all got work. We all got jobs and stuff we're doing. But it's always great to be back on the air with you guys. We got a few things to talk about, a bunch of huge topics. The first one for me that I was interested in talking about is the Deshaun Watson deal with the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, boys, I still don't know what the hell to think of this. I mean, I just – me being a Baker fan, and, yes, I'm a Baker fan. I still like the guy. I do think he caused some of his own issues, which led to this whole thing. But I think the Browns also screwed up in the way they approached the Watson trade. I mean, if they were going to upgrade from Baker to Watson, they shouldn't have told Baker directly that he was going to be the starter or publicly come out and said it. So, um, but, man, oh, man, I don't know about Watson as our quarterback. And I don't even know if he's going to play this season. So, uh, what's your guys' take on that? Well, I mean, as a non-Browns fan, uh, <laughs> here's what I think of the deal. I mean, three first-round picks for Watson. I mean, is he an all-pro? Yes. Is he a top 10 quarterback in the league? Yes. But for me, at first glance, and what we're going to have to realize until probably midseason is, you know, did the Browns give up too much? Right. A, a little bit too much. I mean, it was a whole slew of picks. And they were a team that really worked really hard with Andrew Barry to uh, put a team on the field that was a complete rebuild in a positive way. And now you're really risking it because now it is Super Bowl or bust. And nothing could be um, nothing could be disputed of that. Um, right. Do I think it was the right move for the Browns to do? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, really? Baker, with the the player he is on the field, he's much better than Baker Mayfield, um, especially a Baker Mayfield that isn't healthy if he never recovers from the shoulder issue. Uh, right. But I right. think at the end of the day, three first round picks is enough. Where if this really messes up, the Browns could be in deep trouble. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think that if you look at it on the surface, I think the Browns, as of now, as of spring 2022, have won this trade with the Texans. But the really? big thing, okay. but uh, could you still win a trade and give up too much capital? Yeah. And right. um, it's a real complex situation, but that's the way I see it. We won't really know anything until probably not even a year into this deal probably the year after right because right yeah and, and michael i'm just going to jump in for a second and i like the way the browns structured watson's contract and, and we'll talk about things from a football standpoint and may touch on the outside off the field baggage a little but we want to keep it kind of light here because we always do that but i do like how the browns structured his first first year is like one million dollars but then it balloons to whatever it is per year. I think it's what 46 million a year and you have no room to pay anybody else. And so like you were saying, like you were saying, Michael, it was Super Bowl or bust. If I'm Andrew Barry, I just put my ass on the line. I mean, sorry to be blunt, but if you don't win the whole thing in the next couple of years, what the hell is it for? Because you, you don't have a five-year plan like you might've had with Baker or some other re rebuilding project or a young quarterback. I mean, you're, you basically, you declared with, if you're Andrew Barry, you declared with a trade like this, that you're going to go win the Super Bowl. And, and to be honest, guys, and I hope he's right. I hope it works. This is going to blow up in your face. I honestly just have this bad rot gut feeling and it has Jimmy, it has James Arthur Haslam, the third written all over it. 
And, and he's, he's just desperate. I think I, I just, I don't, I mean, I understand from a football standpoint, it's a major upgrade, but it's the Browns. I'm just going to say it. It's the Browns. We have been known to just screw shit up. Totally screw the pooch to high heaven here. It's just, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, but man, oh man. And we haven't even gotten into the point, the part where the league level suspensions, I mean, you could get anything from nothing, which I don't think he's going to get nothing. I think he's going to get at least four to six games. Uh, and then you got to deal with without him, you know, I mean, you have Brissett, which he's a good quarterback, but uh, man, I don't know, you know, and that's where, you know, and yes, I've supported Baker as a quarterback and yes, I understand he's limited, but at least with Baker, you, you were safe as far as you knew where you were supposed to go with him. Like if he didn't do well this next year, you could let him go. No harm, no foul. He knows it. I'm sure he knew it at the time. Uh, and then you could draft a rookie in a deep quarterback class. But, hey, you know, Haslam just put his ass on the line, and so did everybody else. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, but as far as the other quarterback and the, the other new quarterback in the AFC North, why don't you uh, give us your take on what the Mitchell Trubisky signing means for Pittsburgh, Michael? I'm kind of interested to hear your take. Me personally, as a Steeler fan, this is not me being a homer. I love what the Steelers are doing Okay, uh, in all facets. Um, for a number of reasons. One, this Mitchell Trubisky deal. Uh, I believe that it was only $12 million over two years, but it's, oh, 14, but it's $14 million in incentives. So right. basically, he's getting paid $6 million a year for the first two years of his deal. Uh, mm-hmm. for, the, for the two years of his deal, and then those 14 are up into incentives. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to reach all of his incentives and he's going to make 14 which then equals out to 27 uh, right, twenty six, twenty seven. That means that um, it could be what he receives. We don't know. So right. I think it's an interesting case. This is a guy who was the former number two overall pick, and I think it was the twenty seventeen draft. Right. Uh, this is a cat that has was taken in that spot because a team believed in him. So I think it's only right that the Steelers believe in him as a low cost investment. Uh, basically the exact opposite of Deshaun Watson, if we're being totally honest. No, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and uh, I love the move for him. I also love two different free agency moves. We signed, uh, we signed James Daniels, a native of Warren, Ohio, which I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be probably our best offensive lineman. Uh, he played with Trubisky while in Chicago. While they, okay. made the, while they made the playoffs twice, by the way, um, and he's going to be a great signing. He was a four-year, uh, 27 mil total. And then the other one I like is Miles Jack at two years for $16 million. That's $8 million per year, the right. linebacker from UCLA, and then drafted by Jacksonville, um, I think, in 2016. So right. the Steelers have acquired a lot of young pieces, but for cheap money, I think it's going to be exciting to see what they do in the draft. Really exciting because they can still be in the market to draft a quarterback. Uh, no cost to them. And they can still play Mitch Trubisky as the bridge and see where it goes from there. Right. Um, and I believe that if I'm Kevin Colbert, I'm the Steelers front office. Um, I'm just the way I look at it. I just think, man, if one of these quarterbacks is on the board, uh, and we're really interested in go right. for it. Um, I'm kind of looking at three different areas for the draft picks. You could go with either of the two quarterbacks. Then what if defensive tackle, uh, Jordan Davis from Georgia, 
is is still on the board at that time? What if, you know, an offensive lineman still on the board? There's infinite possibilities. And I believe that with that number 20 overall pick, I think we're honestly playing with house money, gentlemen. I'm excited to see what we do with it. So, yeah, no, you guys are in a perfect spot. And, you know, to kind of hit on uh, Davis before the Browns, I think honestly screwed up with this trade. I still don't like it. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I just had to vent just a tiny bit, but it's like you could have taken Davis at 13 as if the Browns hadn't traded. But no, I like where Pittsburgh's at. And honestly, I probably would have ran the Browns the way Kevin Colbert's running the Steelers. It's like you have so many other positions other than quarterback. And yes, the NFL is a quarterback driven league. I'll agree there. But, you know, I don't think you make moves like we did unless you have the whole team in order. And Pittsburgh is doing that. They're putting their ducks in order. They're or ducks in a row, putting everything in order first before they get their star quarterback, which may or may not be Trubisky. And if it is, like you said, you guys have paid nothing for him. So I'll give uh, Kevin Colbert and the Steelers all the credit in the world. I think I like their front office moves. And as far as ours, I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, but well, we'll see. So, Well, it'll be an interesting year because I hate to say to the Browns fans that you're going to have to throw this year out but Baltimore is going to be ready to go. Cincinnati is going to be ready to go. If yep. Watson misses time and then Baker Mayfield's off the team and you're stuck with Percet, that could really hinder your playoff chances. Right. Well, yeah. And well, and to also add another thing, I will say this and maybe he will, I don't know. Cause he can't probably couldn't afford to sit out, but let's say Watson does miss time. And for whatever reason, Baker's still on the roster. I don't see him playing another down for Cleveland after the way things have gone down. What do you think? Um, I think that if he's the backup, there's no reason he wouldn't play. I mean, mm. the guy, I mean, the guy really, I think that the Browns fans out there forget, um, six is a guy that when you guys a playoff game, I still think it's stunning that, you know, you have a guy like Baker Mayfield who in 2020, uh, 2021, rather he won a playoff game for the Browns first time in 20 years. And then a year later after a disaster season, Nope, he's out of there. He's gone. Right, and like right. nobody and like nobody's blaming the front the head coach because at the end of the day, it's up to the head coach's discretion of who plays on a given Sunday. And right. the big issue with the Browns and not making the playoffs last year was the health of Baker Mayfield. Was it right. really Baker Mayfield's fault? Right. No, I agree with you. Or at least yeah. I see where you're coming from. I definitely see where you're coming from. And then the other thing to add to this, I don't remember exactly where I read. I think it was ESPN and some other places where Somebody either leaked or somebody basically said what Barry and the others, I think, said in some sort of closed door meeting that apparently, allegedly, that the Browns were planning on moving moving on from Baker in October of 2021. The thing is, how much did they tell him that? Because it certainly seems like they went behind his back. Like, from what I can see and from what I've read, like, uh, you know, they basically two weeks before this whole thing went down with Watson. Yeah, we want Baker to be our starter for 2022. And then you fly the whole damn contingent to, to Houston. Jimmy Haslam personally flies to see Baker. Baker basically says, screw you. And it's just like, you guys were going to move on from October uh, since October. Why didn't you say something? And maybe they did. I don't know. But it certainly seemed like they didn't tell him this, which is why the whole thing blew up the way it did. What do you think? I think so, too. I mean, at the end of the day, it's communication. There's nothing wrong with over-communicating. And – I mean, there should have been just more organization. I feel like it's more on the ground up than it is the players, right. uh, especially when it was the fancy's call to play an injured Baker Mayfield and to lose certain games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 
it's time to put the blame on your head coach. I understand. Yep. Like you're not going to throw away your head coach after the coach got you a playoff game or a playoff win, but it's like, don't throw away the quarterback. If you're not going to throw away the coach, you know what I'm saying? It's just, right. I feel like one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. And I believe <laughs> that at the end of the day, it's a weird scenario where Baker is ever, <laughs> Baker is uh, not professional in any way with his actions. Uh, but at I the guess. same time, the head coach who makes the decisions on player personnel and who steps on the field decided to play the person who was not the best option to win certain games. So, right. right. You know, and, and it's just like, you know, and it's easy to say what if now, and I'm not the coach, but if I were in Stefanski's position, I would have pulled Baker aside probably in week three, three or four. You know, if it really, if it first started showing up that he really wasn't performing very well, I'd be like, Hey, dude, I love your competitiveness. I love your fire, but you need to sit down because this is not working. You know, we'll we'll go from from there. And he he would have been, you probably would have been crying and complaining and and kicking and screaming. But it's like, dude, you're not what's best for the team right now. Right. But, but I don't know. It's just it's it's weird. And then you got the whole other PR stuff, which I'm not going to touch on this too much. But like, I just find it also ironic that Andrew Barry. I think he was the one who said it that they wanted an adult at quarterback, yet you signed a guy who's got 22 civil suits still pending. It's like, come on now. I mean, I know Baker has, Baker has his antics. I know he did some things that caused some of this, but it's like, why would you sign a guy that's under that much scrutiny and say you wanted an adult at quarterback? It's just, it's just bad optics. It's bad PR, man. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't personally as a GM, I wouldn't have touched it, but I understand why they did. I just hope it works. So, right. But uh, switching gears from the Browns, which thank good we can thank goodness we can switch gears from them. But uh, uh, switching gears from football to the hardwood, Tony, we got a monster game coming up tonight. Monster it's, uh, game! It's um your Jayhawks versus the Carolina North Carolina Tar Heels, man. Yeah. Give us your uh, breakdown on what you saw this this last round with Coach K's final game and what you're looking forward to tonight. Well, I'll tell you, um, I expected the Blue Devils to lose a lot sooner. Um, they are a very, very talented team, but they are a very young team and they lost some during the regular season that I feel like they shouldn't have. Right. Um, but they had a, they had good runs, certainly not what Duke fans were looking for to which the rest of us say, well, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> North Carolina, the bigger story here though is North Carolina, um, depending on who you talk to, I don't know if I agree with them, but there was some talk uh, before the Duke game to end the regular season mm-hmm. that, that North Carolina was a bubble team. Really? Then okay. they went into, then they went into Cameron and Dora in coach K's last game at home and, and, and really just uh, took them to task. It was a blowout win. It put them back, and took, them back, took them back behind the woodshed, didn't they? It was, it was truly something. <laughs> and uh, and they haven't lost since and really playing well. Uh, there was the possibility for a hiccup against Baylor a couple of rounds ago. Um, Brady Manick uh, was ejected on a, on a flagrant foul call um, with, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes to go in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina was up 24. And I think North Carolina ended up winning by six in overtime. So I, I expect wow. I expect North Carolina to be very ready. Um, Kansas has been challenged a lot more in the regular season. Uh, 
than we're used to necessarily. I think five or six losses, maybe a couple more. But uh, Kansas is playing extremely well at this point, too. And I'm just, it's going to, if it's not a classic, I would be very much surprised. I don't see a blowout either way. Who do you think? Who do you think's taking it tonight? Boy, I your gut feeling. Who do you think? It's, takes it? I, right now, I would say that um, Kansas will take it, but it'll be close. Oh, I think man. that that it will be uh, probably two to four. Either way, um, I don't Boy. see either team blowing the other one out. I wow. think that it'll be probably in the eighties or nineties. Who? So be a shootout, huh? Yeah, 90, 86 or something like that wow. is what I would think. But could be in the 50s or 60s, too. So yeah. we'll see. And that's at 9 o'clock, and I believe that's on CBS. Oh, yeah. So we've got about a, an hour and a half before tip. So, But I get I get games like this with significance like this once every five to ten years. Right? I really love both teams, so I'm going to just try to enjoy myself. Well, well and like he was saying – Folks, you should have heard him before the recording started. Like he was saying, he, he's got North Carolina on one end, Kansas on the other. He can't lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so usually I'm whining and complaining because somebody I love lost to somebody I don't like at all. So they have. Which again, let us remind the listening audience out there. <laughs> heard past episodes. This guy's yes. is a mile long. <laughs> That's what I'm about. It is, it is somewhat substantial, yeah. It's so it's somewhat substantial. The reasons for hatred are obscure, but he has his list nonetheless. And I have a story for everyone. That's true. <laughs> By the way, before we move on too far, hats off to my uh, Yukon Huskies uh, okay. women's basketball team. They they had quite the run with a very depleted roster. Mm-hmm. They made it to the championship game last night, but were taken out by a very very excellent South Carolina team. So hats off to both squads on on that last night right it ended up being about a 15 point win or more for South Carolina right I just was going to mm-hmm. say before we move on to our our yes next topic that you know I think Gene, that's Gina Oriana's Oriana's first loss in the title game too yes it is yeah and South, and South Carolina is now 2-0 and wow and the last uh win for UConn in the tournament to win the whole thing was 2016 so it's been a while Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just know, well, at least when he was on a roll and when he was really uh, getting yeah. the job, job done with UConn, that mm-hmm. it just, it, I almost want to say it seemed like UConn women's basketball was like a machine. Well, a dynasty. Yeah. And right. even with, even with the drought of the last six years, we still have 11 titles. So that's quite something. Oh man. Only yeah. 11, only 11 championships. <laughs> only. Yeah. That's the, that's the UConn mic drop right there. Right, right. Right. Now that we move on from the hardwood, we got to come in hot from the top rope. Michael, you got to talk to us about what the hell happened in Dallas at WrestleMania 38, buddy. I saw clips of Stone Cold, and that man looked good for being almost 60 years old. Well, boys, I mean, they say everything's bigger than Texas, and I believe that this show was a very, very, very big show. A huge weekend in WrestleMania season here, the 38th edition. And it was unbelievable. You definitely owe it to yourself to watch the show. Uh, the first night was phenomenal. And by the first night, I mean Friday night with the Hall of Fame. It was excellent. We got to see uh, The Undertaker have quite possibly the best Hall of Fame speech ever. Honestly felt like a TED Talk, boys. Oh, just, man. It was like he was reaching out and he was touching me through the TV. 
I highly recommend if you want some motivation for your week, look that one up for the dead man. I got 15 years of watching him as a fan, 30 years of dominance. Undertaker, what a oh, great man. speech, man. And then from there, Saturday, WrestleMania was off the hook, man. It was <laughs> Got a chance to watch, and uh, <laughs> nobody expected it. Stone Cold Steve Austin, his first match in 19 years. Wow. It was with this guy named Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was about to hold his Kevin Owens show, kind of like a Piper's Pit. But everybody was thinking there's no way Austin's going to really have a match. They have this impromptu not-holds-barred match, and man, I mean, the the place went nuts in Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and it was in Dallas. This is Austin's hometown. It was also Undertaker's hometown. It's a big deal. The history of these two men and the history of Texas wrestling, it was just a celebration all weekend. Oh, and uh, to see Austin drink some Steve Weisers and get the win there <laughs> was, was massive. Uh, and then from there, uh, Sunday, a little bit more of the same, but this time we have Pat McAfee in action. If you're <laughs> fans of his YouTube show, I'm sure that sports people around the world know who this guy is. Oh, man. man. He had his match with a guy named Austin Theory, who's a young guy, and uh, one of and then Vince McMahon actually managed this Austin Theory in the ring. And then when the match was over, Vince McMahon decided to get physical and then he beat Pete, Pat McAfee in a match. And then what do you know? The glass shattered again, and Austin came out and stunned Vince and put the bow on the greatest rivalry ever. Uh, <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I mean, this Austin McMahon rivalry is the best right. wrestling, wrestling storyline rivalry ever. Oh, and, man. To see it end in the great state of Texas with the loudest that I've really have heard uh, a wrestling show in many, many years. It's the perfect storybook ending to Austin McMahon and to throw Pat McAfee in there. It was just an electric night, <laughs> an electric weekend. And uh, then we had, of course, Roman Reigns beat Brock Lesnar in the main event mm-hmm. uh, for the Undisputed Championship. And uh, I have a feeling that Roman's cousin, uh, Dwayne, might be knocking on the door here for next year's uh, WrestleMania in Hollywood. I think that I know somebody who would be an amazing uh, opponent for Roman, and uh, I think he doesn't have to look that far. I think that there's a uh, major actor in Hollywood that might have something to say about that, that also happens to be his cousin. That's <laughs> maybe, you know. I mean, his name's Dwayne. I think we all pretty much know like, who I'm referring, <laughs> who I'm referring to. Uh, if we could... Uh, if Rocky could make an appearance next year in Hollywood, it'd be icing on the cake. But I tell you, <laughs> this mania here in Dallas was uh, near perfect and uh, looking forward to next year. And I'm going to be definitely watching Monday Night Raw at 8 o'clock here before the national championship game, see if anything comes off the hook on Raw after mania. So, oh, well, you know, Michael, I haven't consistently – I mean, I've watched matches here and there. I haven't consistently watched WWE since I was probably in college at Kent State. That's 2012, 2013, maybe back back when they had the whole authority storyline. Remember that? Um, yeah. With uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and them, it was all right. But hey, maybe if they can put on wrestling shows like like what you just mentioned, and I got to go back and watch WrestleMania now um, just to see Pat McAfee kick ass along with Stone Cold. But we ought to get back into this now since since uh, we had a great show with WrestleMania. 
it was an awesome one, boys. I highly recommend going back and watching it on Peacock. Got it, dude. I actually have Peacock, so I'm going to have to go back in and check this out. And in the meantime, you guys can check this out when it goes live on Spotify. But until next time, I'm Luke Wickheiser with my good friends Tony Snyder and Michael Reiner. See you later, everybody. Have a Peace good out. night, everybody. <laughs>